Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, at work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to a hope-filled message from our Sunday service. You can also stay connected with us by joining us on social media at Your Brave Church. We are starting, as I said, a brand new series today called Summer Mixtape, going through Paul's greatest hits that'll take us through June and July. As I said, we're hitting some of the famous, not just famous books, they're all really great books, but some of the famous chapters in some of these books that Paul wrote. And um, we're going to journey through this. It's going to be a really, really fun collection of talks uh, that will coincide with that summer Bible reading plan. We're in Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12, a very famous chapter. There's a lot of famous chapter in Romans. Romans 8 is a great. If you haven't read Romans 8, you'll get to it in our Bible reading plan. Such rich depth in Romans 8 there. Really some thought-provoking things. Romans 12 as well. And so I chose to go with Romans 12. And I'm going to start with a really crucial verse that's been sort of a life verse for me. And if you've ever come to see me with um, issues or um, situations in relationships, broken relationships or drama or uh, attention or whatever it may be, I have probably quoted this verse to you in my conversation and counsel with you, all right? Because I say it a lot. I've said it even from this stage. And it's Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, now let me stop right there for a second. Let's talk about that for a second. If it is possible. Now we're talking about being peacemakers today and reconciling relationships today and this idea of God's peace at work in our life. So if we're talking about that, Paul says, if it is possible, which tells us that it may not be possible. Why, Bart, why would it not be possible for every relationship to be reconciled? Why would it be possible that things can't be mended or conflict cannot be resolved? It might be possible if the other person chooses not to participate because sometimes it takes two to tango, amen? So it might not be possible, but if it is possible, here's what has to happen. As far as it depends on the other person getting all their junk together. Is that what it says? As far as the other person coming to you and making it right and weeping tears of joy and letting you know that they're genuinely regretful for the way that they treated you. Is that what it says? No, it says, as far as it depends on what? As far as it depends on you. So it has to start with us. So you need to do everything that you can. Lay your head on the pillow at night going, God, I'm trying to work this out. I'm doing everything I can. I'm giving this situation to you. I've done all I can do. So I'm laying my head down with peace of mind and a clean conscience knowing there's nothing more I could have done. But as far as it depends on you, Live at peace. And oh, that last word right there, I know it's gonna, it's gonna mess us up. Let's say it, let's say it together. Say it, to, say it loud when I get there. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. everyone. Not just the people I like. <laughs> Not just the people that think like me and look like me and vote like me, but every, everyone, Bart. Yeah, he says everyone. Now, I noticed some of you, when we shouted everyone, some of you said it really enthusiastically. And maybe it's because I think you misunderstood. Because you thought, instead of saying, live at peace with everyone, I think you heard, give everyone a piece of your mind. And that's not what he said. He didn't say that. He said, live at peace with everyone. Now, it's hard to put that into context, but um, living at peace with everybody actually means 
everybody. And so we, we, we can't change the Bible, and I'm not trying to change the Bible, but let's look at what practical application might look like of that verse. It would be like Paul saying, hey, as, uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with slow drivers. <laughs> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with Cowboys fans. You know, like every year's their year, right? <laughs> I know I just offended half the room. It's okay. I'll put it back on me. I'll, I'll let you make fun of me now. If it is possible, live at peace with Atlanta Braves fans. Sorry. Sorry right? I, know, I knew I'd have one right there. All right? I know. I know. Astros, I'm sorry. I pull for the Astros when my Braves aren't playing, right? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your ex. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your crazy neighbors. Live at peace with your in-laws. Live at peace with the other political party. Live at peace with cat owners. <laughs> Live at peace with people who try to explain Bitcoin to you. <laughs> he says, live at peace with everyone. So we're called to be peacemakers. I am a peacemaker. You are a peacemaker. And this is so crucial. Why? Because people and peace don't naturally mix that well. Have you noticed that? Now, I have a firm belief and a deep conviction that I would have utter peace and no problems in my life if I didn't have to be around any other people, you know? Now, I don't mean that in a, you know, as a slight because I love people. I'm a people person. I'm, you know, an extrovert. I, I love people. But here's what I've noticed. When I'm by myself, I don't have any trouble. I like me. I'm, I'm a fan of me. I'm me's biggest fan. You know what I'm saying? But it's when we're around people that conflict tends to happen. In fact, in the last 2,000 years, in the A.D. world, we're not even talking B.C. here, just in A.D., in the last 2,000 years, there have been roughly estimates, scholars estimate, historians estimate, 14,500 wars in that time, averaging just over five major conflicts or wars a year because there's people. And the more people, the more conflict. Now, you're probably going, yeah, but like, that's, that sounds like a lot. So you're, I mean, you're probably talking bar, back in the barbaric you know, days, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, the Crusades, all of that stuff. And, and sure, that happens then. But you're probably thinking, I mean, come on, Bart. Like, it's 2023. We're enlightened. We're highly intelligent people. We're peaceful people. I mean... Bart, we do open heart surgery. We put a man on the moon. We've got the World Wide Web at our fingertips. Why in the world would we be, uh, why would we be attacking people? Why would we be non-peaceful people? Why, can I just tell you, in the last 100 years alone, the last century, not even taking into account everything I just said prior to this, the last 100 years, there have been 108 million people killed in wars. But we're so enlightened, right? Maybe we're not as enlightened as we think we are because it's not about advancements in technology. It's not about learning more. It's not about any outward changes. It's about heart changes that have to happen because peace with people and peace with God happens within. It happens within. And so, but a lot of times our tendency is conflict and it's not just wars or military conflict. It's personal conflict. We're prone to get offended. We're prone to be afraid and get proactive. We're prone to counterattack because it's people Versus people, well, if they hurt me, they abused me, they disappointed me, they took advantage of me, they let me down. They refuse to change. 
or they changed way too much. I don't even know who they are anymore. How about this one? They wouldn't be honest with me or they were way more honest than I needed them to be, right? There's all kinds of ways conflict can happen. And really, truly, I sincerely believe that none of this is going to work if we don't have peace within ourselves so that we can be peacemakers to the world around us. I love, we're, you know, we're reading from Paul today, but I've got a few little nuggets thrown in from other places. This is from the psalmist David, the giant killer David in Psalm chapter 120, verse six and seven. David says it this way, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. Now, it doesn't say this, but if you hate peace, then you love chaos. You love conflict. He says, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This isn't in your notes, I know, but I want you to just listen to it. He says, I, I'm living, I'm, so long I've lived among people who hate peace. Does that, that's, does that sound like America in 2023 or what? It's like we're more divided than we've ever been before, but we're called to make sure that peace happens in whatever environment, whatever community, whatever situation we're in. So peace is my responsibility. Peace is my responsibility. It's not, well, I'm going to wait till they, uh, no, I'm going to start with me. Peace is my responsibility. The peace in my home, the peace in the boardroom, the peace in my neighborhood, the peace in my marriage, the peace in this church. Everywhere I go, peace is my responsibility. And I think if Christians took up their responsibility to be peacemakers out into the world, boy, not only would we have a lot less wars, we'd have a lot more people finding out about the truth of Jesus. We're called to be peacemakers in this world, everywhere we go. God's nature is described as a God of peace over 400 times in scripture. I'd say he's in favor of peace. How about you? So if you want to be like God, you better bring peace everywhere you go. It's BYOP, bring your own peace, okay? <laughs> Every situation you come into. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Very famous there from the, uh, um, the Beatitudes. Blessed are, or blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Boy, I want to be a child of God. I want, to be, I want him to call me his son or call you his daughter. And in order to do that, he says, you've got to be a peacemaker, a peacemaker. Now, write this down in your notes. My role is not to be a peacekeeper, but to be a peacemaker. Not just to keep the peace, not to just to be a, a peacekeeper, but to be a peacemaker. Because some people think, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I'll just fly under the radar. I'll just, I don't want to say anything. I'm not going to respond. I'm just, oh, nope, nope. I'm just trying to keep the peace. But God didn't call us to just keep peace. He actually called us to create, to initiate, to manifest peace in that situation. So I want to activate you today, especially walking into summer, because guess what? Kids are out of school. And they are home with you a lot more. Yay! So you're going to have possibilities of conflict and chaos. And God wants you to be a peacemaker in your relationship with your kids. How about this? Maybe your spouse, because you're going on vacations and trips, they're going to be off of work and with you more. And so on that 16-hour road trip with your spouse, there's going to be opportunities for conflict or chaos. But God is not calling you to just keep peace. He's actually causing you to make peace in those moments. How about this? Maybe it's summer. You've got some noisy neighbors. They're out at their pool. They got the music blaring. They got things cranked up. They're having a good time. And by golly, you are trying to go to bed. 
Now, it'd be easy for you to call the cops, but maybe you should try to create, make, initiate peace and say, hey, can I jump in? How about a cannonball? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe God's calling you to make peace in those moments. So I want to challenge you to actively make peace even with difficult people, even the people that you've written off for years and said, there's no way that relationship can ever be severed, severed, there, uh, uh, can be reconciled. It's severed completely. I want you to actively ask the Holy Spirit, who am I supposed to make peace with today? So I'm going to show you how to do this by giving you a few very practical things that I think we can live by in this pursuit of pe- this peacemaking life that God has called us to. And it comes directly right from our passage today in Romans chapter 12. Three things. The first one, number one, is this. Write this down in your notes. As a peacemaker, I don't give people what they deserve. I give them grace. I don't give people what they deserve. I give them grace. Why is that? Well, let's look back at our chapter, Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless. You know, I don't like that. Anybody got any eraser? Can we just take that out of the scripture? Bless the people that are mean to you. Don't curse them. Don't cuss them. Don't don't profane them. Pray that God will continue to bless them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another in harmony, complimenting one another. That's what harmony is. It's two different sounds that complement each other and make something beautiful. I won't take you through music theory, but that's how it works. So be, work in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And all the short people said, amen, right? <laughs> don't be conceited. So he says, don't pay those things back. But that's, that's not our reaction. That's not human nature. We go into revenge tactics, right? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You talk about my mama, I'm going to talk about your mama and your dog, right? So if you have kids, you've seen that play out. If you've been around little kids, you've seen this play out. Well, he hit me. Why did you hit me? Because he hit me first. Well, why did you take their toy? Because she took my toy first. Now, you would assume that that Those kinds of attitudes of retaliatory behavior are childish and immature. And as mature believers and followers of Jesus, that we grow out of that, right? No, (laughs) not as much as we'd like to. Because as I've worked, I mean, I know myself first and foremost, but then secondarily, as I've worked in churches for the last 19 years, I have seen mature Christians behave in some very immature ways when they are wrong. And I've had to approach people and go, bro, really? You sent that text? And the response I got was, well, you don't know the text that they sent to me. Come on now, right? I've had to pull people aside and go, hey, listen, the way that you spoke to that person really wasn't becoming of a leader. And they're, oh, well, you have no idea what they said to me. And it's always that same two-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old mentality of they did this to me, so it out of revenge, I must do it back to them so that we're even. And as maturing believers in Christ who have been, listen, who have been, we just did communion, who have been given grace upon grace upon grace upon grace for our mistakes, we don't give people what they deserve. We give them grace. We give them grace. We don't, we don't give them what we feel like giving them in that moment. 
We don't lay holy hands on them. Let me tell you something. You know, like we don't do that. No, we give them grace. I love how Paul says it in another one of his, his letters, Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Now in a room, a crowd this size, and because I know many of you, there's a lot of people in this room who have been forgiven of a lot of stuff, and yet we withhold forgiveness from other people despite what God has done in our lives. And you're like, but Bart, you don't know. I, you're right, I don't know what they did, but because I know you, I know what you've done. Because <laughs> you shared it with me. You've told me some of the skeletons in your closet. And also, I know what I've done. And my laundry list of sins is like a CVS receipt. It's so long. And I'm telling you right now, who are we to withhold grace and mercy and forgiveness from people when we have sinned so many times and broken God's heart so many times? So we don't give them what they deserve. We give them grace. Give them grace. And I love that verse. It says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That word as, A-S, is really key there. It's the same phrasing in the Lord's Prayer when he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or you may have heard the version, forgive us of our trespass, trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You've, you've heard that before, many of you? Right, okay, check this out. That word as is really key because most of us uh, subconsciously assume that it means while. Forgive me while I forgive the people around me. Forgive me, Lord, while I try to forgive the people who have transpassed against me. It actually doesn't mean while or during. It actually means to the same extent, to the same degree. In other words, forgive me the same measure that I have extended forgiveness to the people that have hurt me. Let's, let's think about that for just a second. Would you be okay with God forgiving you the same way you forgive the last person that hurt you? Selah, I'll let you think about that. We are to forgive people the same measure that God has extended his forgiveness for us. So I'm expected to give grace the same degree that God has lavished it selflessly and generously on me. Well, they deserve the silent treatment. Nope, we're going to give them grace. Well, they deserve to be cut off. Nope, we're going to give them grace because we are recipients of grace. Number two, as a peacemaker. I take the initiative to reconcile broken relationships. I take the initiative to reconcile broken relationships. So good. I love what Paul says in verse 17. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then there's that verse we started with, if it is possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Amen. There it is, everyone, everyone, everyone. He's saying it again for us. Well, they haven't said, I'm sorry, I'm waiting for them to come and make it right with me. Well, sweetie, you may be waiting for the rest of your life because they may not come and find you and own up to what they did. They may not see things the way, the same way you do. So I take the initiative and I do my part to go out of my way for reconciliation. Listen, I'm not going to let the fact that they haven't realized that they're wrong keep me from doing what I know is right. 
I'm not going to let what they did that was wrong keep me from doing what I know is right. And so really, when someone wrongs you, you have three possible outcomes or solutions to do when there's broken relationships. Look in your notes there. The first one is, is this. You can release the relationship. You can just say, I'm done with them. We're done. Easiest way, just cut them off. There you go. Delete them off Facebook. Block them in your phone. Ignore them. Avoid them entirely. You're done. It's essentially pretending like that person doesn't exist anymore. And, and, and I want to be clear about something before we swing the pendulum the, the, the wrong way. There are extenuating circumstances, and, and hopefully no one is in this. But if you're, like if you're in a, an abusive, a violent situation, you need to be removed from that situation entirely and cut off from that. Okay, I want to I be clear. So I'm not asking anyone to stay in a dangerous environment or anything like that. But the majority, if not every person in this room, you are not being harmed physically. You're just upset because somebody hurt your feelings. And what do we do? We cut them off. I'm done with them. I'll never speak to them again. That'll show them. That'll teach them. We just shun them. We banish them. They're, then they're in the, the circle of silence, never to be spoken of again, right? So you can release them. That's, that's the easiest. It's honestly, it's our default a lot of times. I'm hurt, mm, done. I don't want to feel that pain. So the easiest way to remove the pain is remove the person. That's what we do. Let's look at the second one. The second one we've already talked about, it's revenge. It's that idea of getting even, paying back what was done to you. They hurt me, I'm gonna hurt them back. And we're so tempted to do the revenge things. But I just wanna tell you, you have to realize that our job as Christians, as children of God, God says, don't take revenge. In fact, he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So here's what I've discovered. This is hard. I'm telling you, this is hard. This is not something I read in a book. This is not someone that was, something that was preached to me. This is something I have learned the hard way. When I want to avenge myself and I want to show that person why they were wrong, how they were wrong, and just stand in the spotlight and bask in the glory of my rightness, here's what I've discovered. I'm going I'm to you know, do all the things we talked about, but instead of avenging, I step back and I go, God, if I'm wrong, show me. And if they're wrong, show them. You, you avenge this situation. Deal with their heart if they're wrong. If, they're, if I'm wrong, God, deal with me. Show me. I pray, God, you come in and do the things that I, don't do what I want to do. Don't go in and it says, pray for them, bless them. Don't curse them. Some of us want to curse them. Some of us want to call them every four letter word in the book, blankety, blank, 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 right? God says, if you'll just step back, Stop trying to get revenge on that person. If you'll just let me handle that situation. Now, again, you may have to take some of the steps we're going to talk about here in a moment, but I'm talking about getting even. Step back and go, God, God, I give you this situation. God, you can handle it much. Can I tell you something? God can deal with people a lot better than we can deal with people. Because I know he deals with me a lot better than any of y'all can, and y'all are great people. My wife deals with me. My in-laws deal with me. My parents, my children even deal with me. They call me out on things when I'm wrong. But can I tell you something? Nobody keeps my heart in check like God does. So let God handle Don't take matters into your own hands. I promise you, I love you. You're a great person, but you're going to make it worse. You're going to make it worse. Just give it to God. And the third thing is this, and this is a good one. This is the one we should go with. It is reconciliation. Reconciliation. That's what I'm challenging you to do today. You need to pursue reconciliation when it's easy, 
You need to pursue reconciliation when it's hard. You need to pursue reconciliation when you want to release, when you want to get revenge. I love what Paul says in another letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed, look at this, he's committed to us, to the ministry of reconciliation. God has committed us Christians. God has committed us, Brave Church, to this ministry of reconciling other people to God and other people to each other. That's one of the things that we're called to do. You're like, well, I thought we were called to preach the gospel. Yes, that's reconciling people to God. Well, I thought we were called to feed the hungry. Yes, that's, that's meeting those physical needs. Why? So we can meet their spiritual needs. Well, I thought we were called to heal marriages. And I thought we were called, yes, that's reconciling people to each other. All of this is the ministry of reconciliation, that no relationship is too far gone. No person is too far gone or removed from God, that they cannot be reconciled to Christ or to the body of Christ. And look at what he says in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As Crystal prayed this in her prayer a moment ago, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So here's the question I want to ask before we get to our last point today. What broken relationship is the Holy Spirit leading you to reconcile? What relationship? Is it something that Maybe you've let go on a little bit longer than it should. Is it someone that you just cut off and you haven't spoken to and you deleted them or you blocked them or you, whatever it is? And God's like, hey, I'm not saying that y'all are gonna be best friends. I'm not saying y'all are gonna, gonna go on vacations together and raise your kids next door to each other. But maybe y'all should be at least able to be in the same room together. Y'all getting quiet on me. I know this isn't a fun message. I know it's not like, woohoo, fun. But this is truth today. This is truth today, right? So let's let reconciliation be the mark of who we are as Christians, okay? And here's the third point, lastly. As a peacemaker, I intentionally love difficult people. Woo! I saved the best for last, y'all. I intentionally love difficult people. Let's close it out with what he says, or, or close out that chapter of Romans 12 with what he says in verse 20 and 21. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Look at this. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, the best way to get back at them is to love them. And he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Good. Now, this is tough for us. It's tough for us to intentionally love and give grace and make peace with difficult people because truthfully, we think we like people. We don't like a lot of people. We just like our people, right? Right? Like how many football fans we have in the house? Any football fans? You're my people. I like you guys, right? Any barbecue fans? Barbecue fan? Anybody like barbecue? You're my people, right? Anybody like reality TV? Yeah, you're not my people. <laughs> I'm joking. Like, so we have, we, have, we have the haves and the have-nots. We have these, they're for us and they're against us. And they, they like me and they think like me, all that, right? But he says, we have to really love difficult people. And some of you go, well, I just don't have any difficult people in my life. Everybody I know is awesome and my friends are awesome and there's never any drama and there's never any conflict. And I would just say, first off, you're either lying or in denial. 
And secondly, I would say then it's probably that you've surrounded yourself with too many people that you're comfortable with and not enough people that stretch you, that you can reach for the gospel and that make you uncomfortable and want to rub the sandpaper of the Holy Spirit, those rough edges off of your life. Come on, that person that you think is an annoying neighbor, God is using to better you. You're like, oh, just, I'm so impatient around them. I wonder why God gave them to you. Just a thought, just a thought. So here's a hint for you. If you're trying to avoid them, maybe God wants you to reconcile with them. If you're trying to steer them out of your life or release them or get revenge on them, that might be the very person the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart to go and find and be reconciled to. So write this in your notes. Peace always comes at a price. It always comes at a price. The peace that we have with God, how did it come? Through the price of Jesus's death and sacrifice on the cross for you and me. And if he didn't pay the price, we wouldn't have the peace peace we have in our nation. We talked about this last week on Memorial Day. The peace we have in our nation came at the price of the brave men and women who willingly, sacrificially laid down their lives for our freedom and our peace. Thank God for them. And the peace that you're going to have in your home, the peace that you're going to have in your workplace. How about this? The peace that you are going to have within, inner peace, is going to be because you're willing to pay the price for it because peace is my responsibility. And then in the, the last part here, in chapter 14, verse 19, he said us, he, Paul says, let us make every effort. Let us make every effort. Let me pause there. What is the effort you need to make? What's the next step? Some of you are like, okay, while you're talking, I've gotten a face in my head. I've got a name in my head. I've got a situation in my heart that's reverberating around. Maybe that's the person, the situation God's dealing with me about. Make every effort. What is the next step? What is the effort you and I, because I'm not immune from this, what is the effort we need to take? Is it, I need to send that email. I need to make that call. I need to invite that person to coffee. For some of you, I need to buy that plane ticket and fly back home and be reconciled to that family member. What's the effort you need to make? So he says, let, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So that's with our enemies. That's with difficult people. That's with draining people. Sometimes I say it's, you know, um, it's, it's like hugging a vampire. It's learning to love the people that suck the life out of you. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you have those people that are what I call EGRs. Do you know what that stands for? Extra grace required. Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like you're in H-E-B and you see that person, you're like, dear Jesus, I need your grace right now. This person, I need some extra grace to deal with this person because I ain't got the time or the patience. Ain't nobody got time for them right now. But Jesus, hey, how are you doing today, bro? It's so good to see. Right, they're just EGRs. Look, and we all are an EGR to somebody else. There's somebody right now thinking, Bart, oh man, every time I'm around him, I just need the grace of God to deal with this dude. I get it. I can be a lot and you can too. So we all, we all need a little extra grace. And today it's them. Tomorrow it might be you, right? Now, I want to close by, by uh, just giving you this, this, uh, this illustration, a uh, picture, word picture. Picture I have uh, two balloons here. Same make, same color, same string length. Everything's the same. The only difference is this balloon is filled with helium. This balloon is filled with somebody's breath. It's just air. Now, what are those balloons going to do? What's this one going to do that's filled with helium? It's going to float. I've got, it doesn't matter like what happens, right? 
I can, I can pull this thing down and it's gonna continually rise up. What's, what's gonna happen with this one? The tendency is gonna be to, to drop, to fall down, to go down, right? It doesn't matter how many times I, I pull it up, it's gonna continually keep going down. What's the difference? I mean, they're the same make, the same type, the same color, same strength. What's the difference between the two? It's what they're full of. It's what they're filled with. One is filled with something that keeps it on an upward trajectory, up and to the right. The other one, everything's down, everything's negative, everything's bad. And it doesn't matter with this balloon representing our life as Christians, as people of faith in Christ. If we have the peace of God in our hearts, it doesn't matter how many times life tries to pull us down. It doesn't matter if our spouse walks out on us, if we lose the job, all the things. Boom, we got hope in Jesus. We got peace in him. Our, our peace, and we talked about joy the last few weeks. Our joy is not in our job. Our joy is not in people. Our joy is in Jesus, right? Same thing over here. If you don't have Jesus, man, there's continually negativity. There's continual down in the dumps. There's continual all this stuff. And it doesn't matter how many times somebody can try to encourage you or lift you up or pray with you. If you don't have the peace of Jesus in your life, you're always going to be drawn downward. So I want to ask you today, what are the things that are filling your life? And this is the last blank there. Because peace around you comes from peace within you. Peace around you comes from peace within you. So if you want peace in your relationships, if you want peace in your marriage, if you and your spouse are at odds right now, if you're barely on speaking terms, if you're you know, facing back to back when you sleep, each hugging your own side of the bed, refusing to talk, and you want peace in your marriage, that peace in your relationships is gonna start within you. If you want peace with you and your kids, if you want peace on your job, you're like a toxic work environment. My boss just allows this. My coworkers, they're just, oh, they're all over the place. They're negative. They're hateful. They're, they're, they have filthy mouths. They talk about all this. I just hate being in that environment. Can I tell you something? Maybe God wants to do a work within you so you can be an agent of peace into your workplace. Peace around you is going to start with peace within you. You know, I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating again. Unity is what we're after, right? We want, we want to be unified together. Unity. What letter does the word unity start with? You. Unity starts with you. Doesn't start with the other person coming to you. Doesn't start with the other person taking responsibility. It doesn't start with the other person at all. You cannot wait for them to come and make it right. Unity starts with you. That's why we take initiative. That's why we take every effort to be reconciled to people. That's why we give grace instead of giving what people deserve. That's why we intentionally love difficult people. I believe with all of my heart as we close today, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to heal relationships and marriages. God wants to heal relationships between parents and kids. God wants to heal family, extended family relationships. If you're estranged from a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, I believe God wants to heal some of those things. I believe, as I said, God wants you, you to be an agent of peace in our community. Listen, and I don't mean this in a stereotypical way, but I've realized as one of the, the only male in my house living with four women, I'm called to be an agent of peace. Because there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of hysterics and there's a lot of things, right? And you know what I tell my girl? They, they, they would know this, right? They, they would know this. Uh, they, would say, they would say, what? I would say, girls, what's one of dad's jobs? And you know what they'd say? Gravity. Dad's just gravity in, the, in our house. He just keeps everybody grinding. Hey, hey, it's okay. That's okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. Let's just come right back down. We don't have to freak out. We don't. No, 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 no. No, no, it's okay. We don't have to fight. No, no, no. Dad, I, 
I'm making peace everywhere I go, right? But maybe that's what he's called us to do. And again, I'm, I'm having a little fun here, okay? But maybe that's what he's called us to do in your neighborhood, on your job, in your family. Wherever you go, be an agent of peace. Bring it with you. BYOP, bring your own peace into that situation and see what God will do in your life. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please visit yourbravechurch.com to learn more about this ministry, including how you can support financially. And if you're in the area, join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for the full experience.